This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called How to Go from Busy to Balanced. My guest today is Cheris Santilli. Cheris is a life balance and transition coach and the host of the Cheris Your Life podcast. She is a speaker, certified fearless living coach, certified fearless trainer, and positive intelligence trainer. An entrepreneur for more than 20 years, Cheris has a remarkable backstory that I want her to share with you. So let's get this show on the road. Cheris, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, when we first met, I know we shared a passion for um, teaching and telling our uh, whatever we need to express, but in our businesses, especially through telling stories. Yeah, and I, um, yeah. Yeah, we we definitely hit it off and, and found common ground. And I was captivated by really your origin story, the story of, of how you came to a lot of, of your approach to life and, and uh, some of the, the great lessons that you bring to your audience. So I would love you to share that story with us right now. Okay, I'll dive in. So um, I grew up in, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, but I also grew up in an entrepreneurial household. So I was, you know, born into this family that was just very much go-getters, high-achieving people. And by the time I was about 11, my parents were often running with a business of their own that started out of our kitchen and grew while I was in um, junior high and high school. It was quite remarkable. They truly were living the American dream. And I saw them work really hard to go for that and what that really took. Uh, and I followed suit and modeled after them and became quite a high achiever myself and went for all the different awards and accolades that I could in school. And then went off to college and um, came home uh, over the summers as we tend to do. And it was the summer I turned 19 and we were celebrating my dad's 50th birthday with a hot air balloon ride. And I grew up in Southeastern Washington state, um, which is very, it, people think Washington is, we were just chatting about this is all, um, like Seattle and it's not, as you know, cause you have some, you have some experience in my hometown area. It's desert. It's hot. It was like 107 degrees the day that we were celebrating this back in July. And this was back in 1994 to kind of give a time frame. And, um, but we almost didn't go up because of the hot weather, but it started to cool down a bit. And we, uh, we did end up going up. The ride was beautiful, but when we were coming into land, the pilot knew that something was wrong and we were 
coming in way too fast. Mm. And these things, if, if you don't know for the audience who's listening, it, you can't really, they, they say pilot and I'm using air quotes and they say fly them, but you know, it, they're, it doesn't quite work that way. You're very much at the mercy of the air currents and things. Well, we definitely came in too fast and he told us to brace ourselves. We're going to hit hard. And we did the balloon basket bounced and my dad rolled out and his foot got wrapped with one of the cables, the cords, and he was drug the length of a football field through rows of corn and alfalfa and suspended in the air. At one point I was looking over the edge and I could see him hanging upside down below us. And, um, we, I, I, as you can imagine, this was absolutely terrifying for all of us. And I was just pretty much screaming the whole time. And, uh, somehow we got down, somehow we landed, somehow we got over to him and, and I remember just racing over and he was face down and not moving, but he was conscious. He was talking to us. And when they carefully turned him over, um, it was quite a sight. It was, he looked so beat up. It was horrible. Um, but he still couldn't move. He looked at me completely distraught and to calm my fears, he said, you should see the other guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was paralyzed. He had a broken neck. He was paralyzed. He became a quadriplegic and our lives totally flips upside down. My mom turned to alcohol to numb her pain and my parents lost everything over a handful of years, their business, their home. They really lost it all. And after a couple of decades of my mom drinking very heavily, it was about 10 years ago that we lost her too and lost her to liver failure due to the alcoholism. Now my coping mechanism became being super busy and like overly ambitious. I, I already was ambitious, but like took taking it to a definitely an unhealthy level and definitely to a place of, um, well, even the night of the accident, I found it was much easier to start making phone calls and do something rather than really process my feelings. Um, and so that's what I did. And not that there's anything wrong with that. There's a time and place for compartmentalizing and, and kind of disassociating too for survival and getting through. Um, but it really definitely became a pattern. Mm -hmm. And, um, I clearly over many years that followed my brain definitely functioned, um, that in a, such a way that if I could just stay really busy work too much to the detriment of my own physical and mental health over time, um, that felt safer and felt more comfortable. So that's what I did. That's what my system got used to doing, but it did add up over time. And then I finally, about 11 years ago, um, started realizing that. And that's when I became introducing to life coaching. And I can tell that story a little bit too, um, when we go on, cause it's quite a, there's kind of a, a remarkable aspect to that. And I don't think I shared that. Um, sure. Yeah. Time. And I, I'd love to hear that story. I, 
before you get to that story, tell us a little bit more about that inflection point, that that point at which you recognize that, well, wait a minute, this isn't productive busy. This isn't good life busy. This is unbalanced busy. This is this is a problem and I need to explore ways to uh, find something better. Well, actually, I think it is that at that point, 11 years ago, when I, so here's yep. what happened. I was at a business event. I had just launched a software product um, and it was very successful. The business event was more of a networking thing, completely outside of my industry, but I was looking for some contacts to maybe take it into some other markets, do something with it, something else with it too. So I was there and um, I was out on the foyer with just chatting with strangers as you do at networking business events, you meet new people. And at some point um, I started telling the backstory about the hot air balloon accident to this man who's a complete stranger who happened to have the same name as my father. Mm. And um, he, and this was about 20 years after the accident. So it, it, this was about 11 years ago, not quite 20 years, I guess, 18, 19 years after the accident. Um, and yet here it is coming up for me for some reason that evening, not that I was shy about it, but you know, it's not something I would tell every stranger I, 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 that wouldn't be appropriate. It, you know, so for some reason it came up in this conversation and this gentleman, again, same name as my dad serendipitously asked me, he basically said, you know, Cheris, I get your dad being paralyzed for almost two, de two decades now, but why are you paralyzed? that was wow. the moment that cracked me open yeah yeah wow yeah. how long had he known you how long had you been talking to him I don't know maybe you know 30 minutes an hour or something like that just that evening yeah. pretty much yeah. and um it was he was right I was emotionally paralyzed and um that was the moment that cracked me open that was the moment that um I remember the conversation didn't last much longer because I think I, I really did feel very raw and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I remember kind of almost in a trance going to my room, doing, going through the motions, whatever I needed to do. And then waking up the next morning and just being, um, again, sort of trance, like sort of, uh, zombie ish. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was just kind of, it, it's like things slowed down for me in a, in a way. And I remember that morning. I remember, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those mornings. I remember exactly what I wore. I remember exactly how I did my hair. I remember these moments. I remember, um, I didn't make it to the keynote for that next morning. I remember walking out the hall and walking down the hall and running into another person I'd met along the way, this, at the, the business trip. And he'd, said, Oh my gosh, did you see the keynote? She was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, Oh, she had this. My memory is he said something like she had this amazing family story. And I was like, Oh, and that sparked my interest. And so later that day, I happened to see her in um, the lobby area uh, when people were just um, schmoozing and bouncing around and, you know, happy hour or something. And I beelined for her and something just drew me and said, I hear you have an amazing story. I missed your, your presentation, you know, your speech this morning and I'm sorry, but you know, would you mind sharing it with me? And 
she showed, she told me the very short version of a very tragic, uh, thing that happened to her and her family. And I immediately was just like, oh my God, maybe you can help me because something is going on with me. It's been almost 20 years. Why is this up for me? This thing happened last night. I just feel like I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> and because I was just literally in tears with her. And um, she said, you know, you're right on time. And uh, she's a life coach. And she was my introduction to life coaching. Mm -hmm. And here we are 11 years later. That's what I'm doing for a living. But along the way, doing all, a lot of her programs and being a private client, I eventually took her certification course, be, course became a coach myself mm -hmm. um, a handful of years ago. And that was, you know, I've explored a lot of different types of personal development things this last 11 years, but coaching is, was a core piece for me mm -hmm. and is ultimately how I became a coach. It's a remarkable story. And, you know, these, we see in the movies, sort of the, the angel who just appears and, and crack something open for you. And uh, it, it feels that way to me that it, it is so serendipitous. It, it, it uh, feels like it was meant to be. And so share with us some of the discoveries that you made about yourself in this process of working with her, exploring other avenues, and how your journey of discovery is now something that you can bring to clients to help them take the same journey. Will do. And something you just said, before I get into that, I want to share. So you mentioned, you know, these angels that show up, like you said, mm -hmm. in the serendipitous, this man. So um, a few months ago, my father actually encouraged me to see if I could track down that gentleman. Mm -hmm. And I did. And he did not remember me. He didn't remember this. Mm -hmm. Um and yet, which I actually think, think adds to the story. Cause I'll, I'll explain. Mm -hmm. He was so moved. He said it was one of the best phone calls of his life, you know, mm -hmm. hearing how much of an impact it made and it literally changed the trajectory trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that he didn't remember actually in both of our minds kind of made it more beautiful in a sense, because mm -hmm. It's the fact that you never know what something you say, mm how -hmm. oh, something you say could impact someone's life and yeah. then thereby impact other people's lives and make a huge yeah. difference in the world. And you have, and you may never, you will never know. You will never know yeah. all the things that you said or did that impacted positively out in the world because there's just no way to, to know it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a beautiful point. And it makes me think about an idea that I explore and think about a lot, which is that, that great creation and great breakthroughs often come when you're not working with intention. You're just in the act of doing and the act of creating. And, and so this, this guy was not acting as a coach. He didn't have any investment in you. He wasn't, he was just interacting with a stranger. And he said something profound and moving that had an enormous impact. And I can understand how he wouldn't have necessarily remembered it. It wasn't part of any 
gig or any mm-hmm. anything that he had going he wasn't he wasn't acting with intention other than to just share what was on his mind and offer you an an insight and those things can happen and and those are the things that can have the greatest impact and and uh that that feel almost like they're throwaway moments but you're so mm-hmm. right these things are the things that can change lives absolutely and yeah that actually can tie into, you know, a coaching. So although he's not a life coach, um, the, the fact that he trusted the question that came to his mind in that moment and just came out, that actually is the core of coaching. And, um, from what I've learned in my training and then applying it as a coach, I can uh, validate that too, that the, best moments are just, and what I try to practice every time I'm coaching is uh, being so present that I'm listening and I'm trusting what the next best question is to ask the person, even if it doesn't even make sense to me, but whatever the thing is that pops up into my mind and to not be afraid to go with it, to not Mm -hmm. start analyzing it or judging it and not try to come in with any sort of script and not have a list of questions and all these things. Um, you know, to rely on my training to, and then to trust myself. And that is what uh, my coach did for me. And Mm -hmm. as my coach, literally, and then also training me to become a coach through her and her other coaches in her program. And so the biggest thing I learned is to trust myself. Mm -hmm. And that was as a client and also as a coach and right. the biggest thing that I think I can give my clients too is for them to trust themselves more too. And they don't need to be coaches, but the the whole point of ultimately at the end of the day, it's all about trusting ourselves. And yeah. that can make the biggest difference in our lives. So that is one of the biggest lessons. Yeah, I'm I'm interested as you describe this, that that you came to this realization that the the behaviors and the practices that you experience as client jive completely with the experience and practices that make you a great service provider. And I find the same is very, very true in, in my line of business where I'm focusing on marketing and in what I teach around marketing, that the the best messengers, the best storytellers, the ones who break through with prospects are the ones who can empathize, who can really put themselves in the place of their clients, understand what they're feeling, envision, see where they want to go and really understand what that journey of before to after is all about, and then recognize which aspects of their products and services are going to enable that journey. And if there is a fit and to walk away, if there is not a fit to walk Mm -hmm. away with, you know, perhaps a recommendation for another place to turn, if there is not a fit. And the thing that's been so, so, uh, incredible for me in that work is that as I work with coaches and consultants and other thought leaders, they will tell me that the work that we do together as marketers instructs and helps their work as service providers because Mm -hmm. empathy, envisioning, enabling is really at the core of the work. And, and, And 
as I reflect on what you said and, and what I've experienced, it often is that way that what we, uh, what we experience on the receiving side and what we learn and what we connect with instructs how we deliver a product and service most effectively. Your work as a client to the coach became the work that you do as a coach. I think mm -hmm. it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I do understand and appreciate what you talked about with marketing because my prior life was in marketing and my my first uh, job working for myself was at a, as a freelance graphic designer, which led mm -hmm. me into marketing world and um, branding and different type of marketing, um, not, not as much messaging, more on the image and things, but, sure, sure. but I can relate to that. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think that there, there's, if you, especially if you enjoy what you do, but even if you don't, that <laughs> even if you don't enjoy what you do, I think there's still a, a connection with one of the skill sets that we have that we, that is one of the best things that we can provide typically is something that will translate mm -hmm. for our clients as well. But yeah. I think it's most prominent when we enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so at the heart of this story that you've told is a character, you, um, before Cheris, let's call her, who was busy, busy, busy mm -hmm. as sort of a, a form of self-medication, mm -hmm. um, not balanced. And what does balanced look like? What is it that you learned along the way to still be a high achiever, because I know you are, mm -hmm. yet do it in a way that's balanced. And, and what are some of the key lessons that those who are listening can learn and apply to their own lives to make that journey from busy for busy sake to balanced? So first of all, I think it's important to talk about what balanced means to me, mm -hmm. because um, I think for many years, uh, I would go after it. And especially in my early coaching years, it was, uh, you know, I will, uh, you know, identify as a recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So perfectionism was very much in the forefront, checking things off my list. Um, I think I went after initially when I really was clear, okay, I need to shift some things. I think I went after life as if it was, there was some equation, you know, I always loved math. And, um, so it was like, okay, there's gotta be an equation. Like if I do this many walks per week and this much at the gym and da, 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 that, you know, like then, then it'll feel really, then I'll feel really good. I'll have it all figured out. You know, life will be great. Um, and so my initial approach was really still on the external, how it would look. And, uh, then I realized that that whole vision was impossible. Uh, mm -hmm. to achieve and or maintain. And even if I could achieve it for some period of time, it didn't make me feel the way I was hoping. So um, because this really balance is really an inside job mm -hmm. and it's around not, it's actually not about managing your time. I believe it's about managing how you feel. Mm -hmm. So it's literally managing your emotions and managing your feelings. And that comes with actually feeling your feelings and letting them move through you and experiencing them. And I mean, yes, being able to adjust 
as needed and set things aside if needed, if appropriate, if for the the moment, um, but not just to deflect them, not to bury them, not to um, ignore them completely, uh, that they still need to be, you know, if you tuck it away for the moment, you need to like untuck it and address it later, however you need to. And that those feelings are not this big, scary thing that ironically, life is actually more comfortable when you allow yourself to be uncomfortable for these little moments mm-hmm. of feeling the feelings that we keep trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, because letting them move through us, I mean, physiologically, it's really quite remarkable, but the all the chemicals, all the reactions that we have when we mm-hmm. feel the, what I'll, you know, d- categorize as uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. If we don't take them for a ride, that all moves through us in like a minute or so. And yet we can take it for a ride and then turn it into something, you know, go down a, a whole rabbit hole with it and then feel horrible for hours or days or weeks or months or years. Mm-hmm. But if we can just let it move through us, it's really amazing how short the lifespan of every emotion is, and another one will come and replace it. And mm-hmm. then another one, another, another one. So one of the things that I work on with clients is, uh, even understanding their feelings such that they could mm-hmm. label more than just three or four, um, mm-hmm. being more, uh, uh, literate, literally having a bigger vocabulary around feelings because it helps to express them when we can label them a little more clearly. Yeah. Um, not being afraid of them and then knowing how to let them be processed such that we can get on the other side of it and feel better. Um, And so there's, there's a lot of different techniques around all of that, but at the foundation, that's a big part of the work and a lot of what I've done, which then makes me feel more balanced every day because balance is not, it's also not a destination. So it's kind of like, think of it as a, an alignment thing. It's not a scales measurement. It's not a destination single moment. It really is. I kind of visualize like just this, this alignment of Mm -hmm. multiple pieces. And if, if something feels a little off, like if my body's talking to me one day, like a couple, this last few days, I had a, a neck and upper back spasm. Okay. Something was off for me. And then I needed to address that. And what that meant was for me, I went into um, a lot of lying flat for a few days, mm-hmm. putting off some things I was going to do on the computer, not doing the workouts I'd planned, you know, adjusting. But this is kind of a little more extreme physical example. But the on the less extreme end of that is if my neck feels a little off, I need to sense that and see, okay, what can I do to take care of myself so that it doesn't go into a full spasm. Um, and if I feel a little uncomfortable about something, well, can I identify what that is? Do I need to, is it because I'm scared to have a certain conversation? Am Mm -hmm. I needing support around some decision I'm making? What is it? Can I get help with that I need or heck, maybe I just have been sitting too long and I need to go to the bathroom, (laughs) (laughs) stretch my legs and, (laughs) you know, or get a glass of water, whatever it is. But all these little signs that we often dismiss and we power through stuff. um, It's about increasing our awareness so that we can find when something feels even the slightest bit off Mm -hmm. 
and then figure out how to recalibrate ourselves because that's when we feel more calm, more peace of mind and more in flow in any aspect of our life. I love it. I love it. I think it's important for me to say on that note that if you're listening or watching right now and you need to get up and go to the bathroom (laughs) or get a glass of water, you can press pause, but be sure to come right back and press play again because there's more good stuff to come. But seriously, I want to return to um, I want to return to something you said about us having a very limited vocabulary when it comes to our emotions, three, four things, uh, happy, sad, angry, whatever it may be. Tell us what some of the other emotions are. If you have a more expanded vocabulary and sense of your emotions, what are some of the other words and labels that you might be uh, commonly applying to to your feelings and experiences? For me personally, um, disappointed, that's actually like one of my core fears is to disappoint someone else or disappoint mm-hmm. myself, to be honest. Um, the uh, frustrated, annoyed, irritated, mm-hmm. um, uh, lonely, uh, those are, I think, the most, con- some of the ones that are coming to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think tend to be frustrated and irritated kind of can be a go-tos for me. And Mm -hmm. then, um, that one that I'd usually typically try to avoid, especially if I'm triggered is a disappointment. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I've learned over time, uh, and learned through being a coach coached myself. Um, yeah, those are a handful. I infer from what, what you're saying, because these are, these are words that we all know, and Mm -hmm. we, we, have have pretty clear senses of the definitions, but I infer from what you've said that we tend not to sort of expand our field of vision and our sense of what our emotions are and and that it's going to vary from person to person. You, that fear of disappointment, that's a predominant emotional place that you or trap that you can fall into. For me, it might be something entirely different. So part right. of the work of, of talking with a coach and working through these things is to identify those things, understand when they're coming on, understand, as you said, what is something that I think is critical that, you know, these things can just run through you and pass if you allow them to, if you're conscious of them and allow them to. I think that's a really critical idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, yeah. The, the list can go on. I mean, um, uh, defeated and, uh, mm-hmm. embarrassed and, um, incompetent and, um, you know, frantic or frenzied. That's actually, those are actually feelings that I realized I identified with a lot when I was mm-hmm. just head down, just in my zone of push, push, push mm-hmm. that overly busy zone. Um, so, you know, there's a few more, but yeah, there's a lot of nuances and it's, um, it's a matter of, I even have a list on my phone that I'll turn to, to mm-hmm. kind of help identify and learn more about the moment with me and with my clients. And I encourage them to do the same so that they can help, uh, just become more aware. Cause that's mm-hmm. really the first step. And, yeah. um, and then kind of starting to understand the nuances of their 
their kind of go-tos and what are the flags? You know, I named off some of the ones that are kind of flags for me that I've learned those that are flags. Um, uh, and then I know what to do to address them before they get to a, too much of a zone where it might be hard to turn back. Yeah. So, so for sake of demonstration, share with us how you would deal with, you know, this sense of, oh, I'm falling into that sense of disappointment. What happens next for you? What's the practice look like for you? Well, yeah, for, um, so what I'll notice is like, for me specifically in that area, like I might start realizing that I'm worried and, and making up a story about the future of how I'm going to be disappointed or how I'm going to disappoint someone. And I'll start feeling anxiety. And then I've learned what that feels like in my body. Um, and, or that I'll be running a loop and have trouble going to sleep or something like that. So, you know, let's just say it's nighttime having trouble going to sleep. Cause I'll start I'll notice my brain just globs onto something, which it does because there's a whole half of our brain that works together really well. The logical mm-hmm. part on our left side, plus the fear center that's on the left side that when they get in cahoots, which is most of our days, um, they can really keep us very stuck in a certain way of being. Mm-hmm. And um, so it is hard to just snap out of that, especially once the it's got a little momentum, but for instance, at night, you know, I'll refer to a, an app on my phone, which with a nice sleep meditation, walking me through taking some deep breaths that I don't need to worry, but think about anything right now. This is time to rest all the, you know, whatever, whether it's a sleep story or a little meditation that helps me. Um, I, uh, something that we teach in positive intelligence is, um, referred to as PQ reps, because PQ stands for positive intelligence quotient. Mm -hmm. And those are basically like at least 20 seconds of some kind of focus on one of your senses. Ah, So basically extreme mindfulness Mm -hmm. and essentially what people do when they meditate. But the great thing is the way we teach it and talk about it is that it's can be done at any moment. I mean, I could even do it while talking to you now and in certain ways that you wouldn't even notice. Um, for instance, if I really wanted to focus, I could rub two fingers together and be so focused on rubbing those two fingers together that I feel the fingerprint ridges on my skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that can just help kind of ground me and help me center myself. Um, listening to the birds really helps me. And so often if the weather is um, appropriate where I can crack my office door open, I can hear the birds outside that really can help me tremendously. And just to take a little time and zone, like just totally hone in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, breath is another one, big one for me, mm-hmm. uh, really focusing on my breath, feeling my, even putting my hand on my belly to feel it going in and out or taking yeah. certain breaths or longer exhales, all yeah. of those things. But very short little snippets. And then as needed, I've got a lot of other things I'll pull out of my pocket. Uh, EFT tapping, um, uh, calling a coach or, you know, some other support or mentor as needed, listening to certain podcasts, like the list goes on and they're all what I refer to as proactive behaviors. Mm-hmm. They're all things to help us um, kind of get off that train of thought that leads to those and, and those emotions that can, um, take control too much. 
yeah. uh, if we if we let them, and to recenter, bring our whole brain on board, and remember that in this moment we're safe. In this moment, everything's okay, mm-hmm. and to gather ourselves again because that's where we feel most balanced. It, in that calm, peace of mind. I'm always wanting peace of mind. It, how yeah. can I get to more peace of mind? Yeah. And what, uh, what's beautiful about this message is that phrase proactive behavior, as opposed to reactive yes. behavior, you know, the, the moral of this story is that if you work with the coach who can teach you these behaviors, teach you how to flag those emotions that might spin you in the wrong direction, that you can be proactive about it. Peace of mind is not something that magically floats your way and just happens to land in your lap if you're lucky. Peace of mind is something that you can proactively achieve. And that that's such an important thing that I think too many people don't understand and don't realize. And if you believe it, you may not be able to do it yet, but if you believe it, then reaching out to someone like Cheris for the tools and the practices and the habits and the behaviors is uh, is well worth the time, the effort, the cost, the investment, and uh, and so forth. Which is a good segue to you telling us who do you work with and how do they reach you? How do they find you? Um, most of my clients tend to be entrepreneurs. Um, and, uh, busy people who are at a certain stage of life where they're like, you know, they're, they're figuring out there's kind of been some little ahas of this isn't quite what I thought it would be. And I got Mm -hmm. a whole lot of years left here to live and not quite feeling what I thought I'd feel because again, kind of that, um, while they may not have my story, whatever it was, the external, you know, may it, things may look pretty good on the outside as they did in my life, in my adult years, you know, I'm talking about what I built after the accident in my own life, because I was busy go getter. Um, things looked good on the outside, but how I felt was different. And right. I realized I really wanted that lasting internal satisfaction and that peace of mind. And how the heck do I get that? Um, mm-hmm. cause everybody, yeah, it was just, I, I just wanted to feel better more often. So, um, so it tends to be people who are having that kind of epiphany and they're ready to do some work, um, Mm -hmm. because it does take some effort, but it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to take a lot of hours. It's very minimal. If you really look at the big picture and if you're ready to make a change because you don't want to keep living your life quite feeling like things are just so, so, um, Mm -hmm. then those people are a great fit for me. I also just recently started working with some people at the later stage of their working life, facing a different type of transition, um, where they're having to face that they want, they're ready to get rid of their business Mm -hmm. and sell it. And then, but the emotional re the response to that change is so significant. So it's very much around transitions, whether it's a transition where you want to change how it feels to how your life feels, um, or, you know, at the 
same dif- same story or same difference, I guess, different story uh, at the end of the the game where you're ready to move on to a new chapter and want to change how that is is affecting you. So these big transitional yeah. times, whether they're uh, kind of under the hood or more obvious, um, those are the a great fit for me. Yeah, you talked earlier about you know the stories we tell ourselves and. I know from my own experience, from family members' experience, whether it's a a late career transition or any other transition, transitions are storytelling sparks. If we're prone to telling stories to ourselves when we're in a state of transition, the stories come fast and furious and sometimes not, uh, uh, not in our best interest. So I think the work that you're doing in that realm uh, is very, very important. So, oh yeah. Those stories. I mean, the stories that we make up that hurt us and keep us Mm -hmm. stuck. Those are, uh, very insidious, very sneaky Mm -hmm. and, um, really take effort to unravel and reshape. And that's when a coach comes in because it's really can be very challenging to identify them when Mm -hmm. you're in them and you believe them. And it helps to have someone who can shine a light for you to help you recognize where those are showing up and how they're running your life. And it can be quite surprising. Yeah. You don't, you just don't have a sense that this is a story that I am believing or not believing. You're, you're just looking at it as this is it. This is the state of the world. And oftentimes you need somebody on the outside looking in saying, well, wait a minute, this is a story you're telling yourself. You can choose yes or no, believe it or not. And uh, it, it's very valuable to have that outside perspective from a coach. So how can people find you? So you mentioned my podcast at the beginning, Cheris Your Life. And my name is kind of tricky, but it's pronounced and spelled um, as if it's like the city Paris, but with a C-H. And um, all social media, I'm at Cheris Your Life. And then I also have a um, free video if people want to experience a little bit more um, training with me. It's an on-demand 30-minute training where it called How to Live Life on Your Own Terms and Timeline. So if you are ready to learn how you can go from busy to balanced and um, want some other exercises from me to walk you through some things. I do that in that training. And then there's also a special opportunity to join my program as well. Beautiful, beautiful. So look oh, oh, and Chari- I didn't give the address. The address for that is cherishyourlife.com forward slash video. Sorry, yeah. totally. I, I was going to the- share that. I was going to share the website, but I'm okay, glad good. you got it in there. So cherishyourlife.com. All of this will be in the show notes, so you don't have to write this down furiously or remember it. Just come back and visit the show notes, and you can find all of these links. Cheris, any parting thoughts? Uh, Just, you know, I think stories, like anything in life, can support and empower you or disempower you and keep you stuck. So. Do your best to practice using and telling and sharing stories that really do make a difference for you in your life and for those people that you are serving and out there helping and wanting to help in the world. And then be aware 
of the possibility that there's some stories too in your life, whether they come out of your mouth or just playing in a loop in your head, um, or even something that you don't quite see that could be keeping you stuck. And mm -hmm. so, you know, since I, I just, the power of stories, it can be in service to help us. And it can also be, you know, something that can harm us in a sense. Um, yep. and so I think just <clears throat> knowing that not being afraid of using stories powerfully in your life and sharing and being vulnerable, not, I think that that is super important and that's how I train and teach and how I have my podcast and everything. And also then knowing when do you have a story that's, that maybe isn't supporting you anymore that you need to shift and get rid of that maybe isn't all true. Yep. Yep. I love it. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed our conversation, our conversation, Cheris. And thank you if you're listening or watching all these minutes after we began. Really appreciate you spending time with us today and listening or watching. And if you've gotten this far, I ask a favor of you, go to Apple or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast, press that five-star thing so that other people can find this podcast and hear the great stuff that Cheris and I discussed today. Spread the word, if you will. Also, if you're interested in more from Story Power Marketing, go to storypowermarketing.com where free resources are available to help you power up your creative content and inspire prospects to act. You can sign up for the email list. You can download some free trainings all at storypowermarketing.com. Thank you again, Cheris. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate the work that you do and we'll do it again down the road. Thanks again. Bye. For listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>